Hi everyone, Nathan here. A bit of a disclaimer before we get started. The audio from my side on Grace's episode isn't brilliant and uh, these changes have been made to make sure the next episodes are great. Uh, fortunately enough, you can hear Grace's input perfectly fine. Um, so get ready for a good episode and hopefully the quality of my audio would improve for the next couple of episodes. Hello and welcome to the PE Insights podcast, conversations about PE with me, your host Nathan Walker. Uh, Really excited today to introduce uh, our guest, Grace Cardiff. Grace is a qualified primary school teacher with seven years of teaching experience in Ireland and the USA. She loves movement and physical activity and calls herself a sporty person. Grace is currently pursuing a PhD at Mary Immaculate College Limerick and her research focuses on meaningful PE and how student voice pedagogies can enhance experiences. With two years of data collection from 10 and 11 year old students, Grace is now in her third year of her PhD journey, aiming to share value like you. Grace, welcome to PE Insights. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. I'm delighted I can join you. Yeah. So just if we could start, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in education so far? Yeah, and I think, Nathan, you kind of nearly said everything I was going to say about my um, my journey. Um, but like you said, I'm a qualified primary school teacher. So I graduated from Mary Macula College in Limerick in 2015. Um, and I've been teaching um, in primary ever since, um, just a one-year break uh, to complete my master's. Um, so I've taught five and six-year-olds um, for a couple of years. Um, so that will be junior and senior infants um, in the Irish education education system. And then four years ago, I got moved up to um, fifth class, which is 10 and 11-year-olds. And that was just a massive jump for me uh, between the smallies and, and then going up to the more senior end of primary. Um, and like you said, I'm currently undertaking my PhD through uh, Mary Immaculate College. I'm in year three. Um, so for the first two years of my PhD, I was collecting data um, on my own practice, um, like researching and exploring what I was doing in PE and kind of collecting data with my students as well. So um, it's been fun so far. Amazing. So um, this is a question that uh, I think everyone, all the guests are going to be asked on the podcast. And it's quite a big question and there's going to be lots of variety in the answers we hear. Um, but why is physical education important to you as an individual? Um, I thought about this a lot um, to try to come up with my my best answer, but it's such a it's such a big question. So hopefully I can do it justice. But I think when I was thinking about it, it's just physical activity and sport play such a massive role in my life. Um, so I play Gaelic football with my local club still. I love walking, jogging, going to the gym, and every kind of social event that I take part in, whether it be meeting my parents, my sisters or going for a hike with friends, it's all involving movement. Um, Mm. So it just, I suppose it just brings me such joy in my life um, and it's how I choose to spend my downtime. Um, And I, I kind of really didn't think too much about it until you asked me that question. And then I realized like that, that really is why I want students in my class to have a positive experience of PE because I get such 
joy out of physical activity and movement outside of school and really hope that they can find that I can introduce them to kind of fun aspects of PE and then they say hey let's let's go do this outside of school this is something I want to pursue um, and that maybe they become lifelong movers from that hopefully. Amazing so do you think it's those experiences and your your sort of belief in physical education is what led you to Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I kept my eyes open to it anyway, so that when this PhD opportunity arose, I was like, that's something I want to pursue. Um, I, like I said, like I, I play Gaelic football, so this sport is so big in my life. Um, and earlier when I said that I moved from teaching um, junior and senior friends, like the small kids in, in primary, up to the older kids, I realised that that engagement was lost somewhere and that going from teaching five and six year olds PE and they absolutely loved it and it's just chaotic energy um, to 10 and 11 year olds and I feel like even at that age there is a lot of opting out um, and they weren't feeling the joy that I feel towards sport and physical activity Um, so a lot of them were but there were kind of a handful that continuously were disengaged um, in PE so I, this I suppose research area just provided me with um something like something positive or something a solution I suppose to to those disengagement issues that I was seeing in my classroom yeah and what what were they what were those disengagement issues can was there like one common theme or no it's just sometimes people were just tired and they could have sore ankles from something they it was really hard to to point out um there could have been loads of things there could have been do you know um a playground issue that kind of came over into PE um but it just seems that children were less likely to be involved in PE if there was something else um worrying them or if there was something I don't know it's it's hard to say because in in maths and in English and in Irish when I'm teaching those subjects I suppose they have to always be fully engaged but in PE, it felt as if that they could choose to opt out or I'm not feeling into this today. This is too much, too much energy. There's a lot of kind of uh, people watching me do this thing and I don't feel comfortable. Um, so I suppose you're really putting yourself out there. No one really knows what you're writing in your maths book, but everyone can see what you're doing in PE. So yeah. It's yeah, kind it's of it's more visible. Yeah, it's very yeah. exposing in a way. So yeah, I can't pinpoint the exact issues, Nathan. Um, but there's just kind of loads of different things going on, I suppose. Okay. So you're doing your PhD in meaningful PE and you're part way through your studies. What what have you what have you found most interesting and most challenging so far? Oh <laughs> that's a that's a big <laughs> question. Yeah. Um so just to give a bit of context, so as I said, for the, the first two years of my PhD, I was um, teaching uh, and collecting my research um, at the same time or doing my research at the same time. Um, so I'm not a PE specialist. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a generalist, for want of a better word, primary teacher. Um, I didn't do any PE specialisms um, in my undergraduate degree. Um, so I felt as though I was teaching PE, but I don't think I was ever teaching it properly, if there is a, a way of teaching okay. it properly. Yeah. Um, so in my PhD, I, I was looking 
at my own practice and how I was implementing meaningful PE in, in practice and also looking specifically at student voice pedagogies. And um, so I kind of started two years ago and said, OK, I'm going to just throw everything at this and see what works. Um, and I, it was really different for both groups of students that I was working with. So I my first year I had a group and um, I did student voice in one way. And then my second year, I tried to start by doing student voice in the same way. And I realized these are, are a completely different set of students um, and they had different needs. So that was really hard for me to take because I had done one year and I was like, OK, I'm I'm a student voice expert now. I know everything about this because this is how it worked in my previous class. And then when I started with my next class, it didn't work that way and I had to change how I was doing um, student voice a little bit to suit the needs of that class. And um, so I kind of realized, oh, wow, student voice, I can't say this is student voice and this is what every teacher should do. It made me realize that oh, student voice is different for every class, for every context, and it will be different for every teacher. Um, mm. So that was kind of my biggest challenge going in from year one into year two. What did um what did you do in terms of student voice? So how did you kind of apply that to practice? Um, so I was guided a lot by by meaningful PE. Um, so my supervisors, uh, Deirdre Necroni and Tim Fletcher, Richard Bowles are all big names in the meaningful PE world. Mm -hmm. Um, so that framework really really guided me. Um, and I suppose the the democratic and reflective pedagogical principles of meaningful PE. Um guided my student voice implementation as well so yeah um also to mention i'm not sure if um your listeners are aware of lundy's model so lundy's model of child participation and decision making is kind of a big model that the irish education system is currently pushing um and it's a really like straightforward model by laura lundy and it kind of just said that for um, students' voices to be authentic and to make sure that they're given authentic opportunities to share their voices, you need to have these four elements. So space, voice, audience, and influence. And so I was also keeping that in the back of my mind uh, when I was teaching PE. Um, so I kind of have a couple of things written out here. So <laughs> yeah, stop, stop me if they don't make sense. Um, hopefully they, they will. <laughs> but um, like like I previously said about the democratic and reflective pedagogies within meaningful PE, firstly, I was focusing on the democratic because I was like, okay, that's what student voices. It's, it's the, the democracy. It's giving them a say, or that's not even um, the right term, but kind of providing those opportunities for, for them to be involved um, in the PE lesson. Um, but I'm actually not going to talk about demo democratic opportunities first. I think I'm going to talk about, reflective opportunities because the more I got into it with both of my my groups of students I realized that reflection is actually so important in order to inform the kind of democratic element of the lesson yeah. so the kids need to be able to reflect for them to make better decisions for them to realize um what the best decision is for them to make um so I was kind of doing lots of different things. I suppose before I went down to PE, because I'm a classroom teacher, I, I teach these these 10 and 11 year olds all day. And um, so I kind of had that that advantage of being able to 
do reflection in other areas of the curriculum and we kind of talked about words for reflection and the language of reflection in our English lessons um, and I had that option of you know earlier in the day before we do PE in the afternoon that I can say oh this is this is what we're going to do later so if you have any ideas um, let me know so kind of sharing those objectives sharing the plan um, and just kind of getting the kids thinking about PE um, what I noticed was when I started getting them involved in thinking about PE and how we can make PE better, that lots of them had never really thought about PE before. It was just that error in the curriculum every week that was like, that is there. Yeah. yeah, like it's kind of like, oh, this is a this is a games error. This is a fun thing. This is nothing to do with the curriculum. Like this is nothing to do with subject areas. This mm. is just an error of fun. Um, so I don't know if they ever actually really talked about it. So that's where like reflection was really, really important with them. Um, so even when I stopped, like in the lessons, I would do a lot of reflection in action. So like just pausing at different points during the PE lesson saying, hey, is this is this working? I noticed that these groups, um, you know, maybe they're not fair enough or maybe the game is not challenging enough. I noticed some people are looking a little bit bored. Can we change it in some way? Is there one rule change that we could make to this specific game that would make it better, more challenging, more fun? Um, yeah. And it was just so your questions. So your questions are linked to the features of, of meaningful PE. Yeah, the, exactly. And, and that's where like the, I suppose the meaningful PE elements, those features really provided like a language that the kids mm -hmm. understood and that I could easily communicate with them. Um, because at first, at the beginning of year one, when I went in, I was kind of saying, okay, what's going well? um or what do we like about this game or do you know what what went well in this mm -hmm. lesson and and lots of the children would come back and say yeah it was fun like okay brilliant but why was it fun and and then there was this pause and blank expressions being like what do you mean why was it fun it was just fun there was no they didn't have the language to to extend um what they were thinking um but also at the same time i don't know if they'd really considered fully what they were thinking they didn't think past the fact that it was fun and um, so I suppose those those meaningful PE elements really provided that language um, so that slowly that they were able to say, oh, it was it was too easy. It wasn't challenging enough. And that's why I found it boring or my group yeah. wasn't working very well um, we weren't working together or this wasn't relevant uh, to me. I don't I'm never going to be doing skipping in my life. So this wasn't relevant to me. So they were using yeah. those those language or those the features um, to reflect. Um, so yeah, that their was... own terminology. That's good to get, yeah, using the specific language. I suppose there's a tension around fun, not always necessarily being meaningful as well. Yeah. Like, um, fun, sometimes things can be meaningful that aren't fun as well. So fun as a default answer is something we need to kind of challenge as well. So that's good to hear. Exactly. And then, and some of them would judge earlier on, I suppose, would judge, have judged PE based on the funness. Um, but when we got into kind of some more technical lessons in gymnastics and athletics, they stopped, not that they weren't considering it fun, but it was more important that something was challenging to them, that they were saying, well, I needed to make this jump uh, more challenging or that hurdle wasn't high enough for me to jump. So I needed to make it more challenging. So fun cropped up. I'm not going to say that it was less, they were not having fun. I think they were, but it was less important to them in a way yeah. that they weren't constantly referring to fun in their reflections um so yeah i, I think they were they were looking at pe in a slightly different way okay that's uh, interesting we can change it 
statement towards what what really is meaningful to them and getting to think about what they value from from physical education exactly um and then kind of like talking about reflections so like when we went back to the classroom then we, we would do more reflective tasks so within the lesson i suppose it was all oral language it was talk to your partner uh, let's have a quick um 30 second whole group discussion um tell me one thing that is working one thing that we can change um challenge like kind of focusing on those meaningful pe elements like i said um but after the lesson then we kind of had a little bit more time um so i might get them to do a written task um give them a reflective prompt um I might get them to like interview their partner about the lesson or do like a walking debate where I ask them questions and they have to move to different sides of the room uh, to agree or disagree. Um, we kept a PE scrapbook um, over the year um, and that was just okay. to kind of keep their written reflections together. Um, I never really had like a PE copybook or a, a workbook. Um, so this is the first time I used it. Um, mm. It seemed to work well um sometimes the kids liked writing in it uh sometimes they didn't like writing in it um yeah. i suppose they're not used to writing um in pe so um how I did you use that grace so over like let's just say over the year how did you use that scrapbook to benefit you and your teaching and or was it just there as like a um an artifact as a product of the lesson did you refer to it at any point yeah, so I think my relationship to the scrapbook probably changed a lot over the study because first, uh, for in my in year one, um, um, I suppose it's natural that I was so concentrated on my PhD that I'm like, I need to collect really good data, do you know? So <laughs> yeah. the scrapbook is going to be amazing for the data. Um, but then my relationship to it changed um, and definitely in year two that I was using it less as a data source um, and more to benefit the children and to benefit myself so I was using it more like okay take out take out the scrapbook really quickly before we go out and I want you to make a goal um or to write a goal for for sprinting today because we're working on our sprinting technique so you know last week we did this um what's your goal for sprinting do you want to get to this distance in a quicker time do you want to be able to do this this and this um so it was I think my year two scrapbooks don't look as um like pretty and laid out really well as my first year one after I'd printed out everything and uh had them all laid out beautifully for my for my data set I think it was more like a working document um for my year two um students um and there was things kind of stuck in haphazardly because we were just using them to help us um I pick up the scrapbooks I'd read them sometimes I get the kids to read them back to me because oftentimes I'm I'm asking them well what benefited you today um and what would benefit you in the next lesson so I needed to really be interacting with these these documents to make sure that I I was listening to them it gave them it gave them another voice I suppose um and some of the data that came back from the kids as well said like it was easier to write things down like that was a quote from one of the from one of the children that I suppose yeah. didn't always like putting their hand up um, yeah. because a lot of the discussion in the classroom is dominated by the same voices and, and all teachers will know that that there's a handful of kids that will always have their hands up um, to answer and to, yeah. to talk and you're missing out that 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 small group who who don't like to speak in front of each other and um, so the scrapbooks kind of gave a, a, a different way of, of for those students to share their voices um, but then again, like I said, just to 
be fully transparent other children had said I don't like writing in the scrapbooks or I always just write down the things same things every week um I don't think we should use them so <laughs> I had some really positive <laughs> feedback from the scrapbooks but then there's some kids that are like nah I, I don't need to use these <laughs> yeah no it's great it's just it's really interesting to hear how you know it changed obviously you had to collect the the data for your for your PhD but how that became something that was useful for your practice my my wife's a primary school teacher and she used to take like polaroid snaps of children's work and put in a snap book for her to refer to throughout the year as well yeah and it's something that i think might have real value and if we're looking at reflection and and getting children to think about their experiences then that's certainly a way that we might capture that that data particularly for those that don't like to share their voice it's a really interesting point and um, yeah and it's it's interesting to read over because currently i'm doing my data analysis and looking over the scrapbooks and seeing how the children's answers have changed or their how they're mm. responding to the reflective prompts over the year um and how they're what they want from PE changes. Um so yeah it is it's it's interesting to read them. Um it's like a, a nice little kind of snapshot of, of the year. So and I can kind of see the lessons that they're talking about in their reflections, even if they don't give a lot of detail. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that lesson. That was fun. Or this was that was a disaster or, or whatever. Yeah. Else, so. yeah. Have you got any examples of the the questions that you ask? I'm just not intending to put you on the spot, but like how might you word the questions for the children in your in your lessons? Yeah. And I think it, it focused, I suppose, on what I was or depended on what I was focusing on in the lesson. So sometimes I was really trying to get group work right. That um, I noticed that sometimes the groups weren't working in a particular team game. Um, so then I suppose after the lesson, it would be something about, well, how did how did my group work today? Or what could be done? Or um, does something need to change in order for this to work properly in our effectively in the future um or how did I feel about how the teacher grouped the the children today and I suppose I gave them a lot of choice in that as well that we talked a lot about um student selected groups and teacher selected groups um because in the past um I would have tended more to choose the groups uh, just for efficiency and just for uh I suppose to prevent anything that I thought might would happen. Um, but the kids actually really love being able to choose um, who they're working with. Um, and that came up a lot. So just working through it with both both of the groups of kids that I work with, um, that at the beginning of the year, they tended to always go for the, the student selected groups. Um, but we talked about it a lot and and, and the reflections um, that they would have written in their scrapbooks and, and how we, we spoke about it after PE. Um, and then more towards the middle and the end of the year, it kind of changed a little bit that they're like, no, you, you select the groups today because we want them to be fair or someone was left out the last time. So we, we think you should select the groups. But we want to work with our partners for this skill building activity but for the the team game at the end you should select the groups so they're kind of seeing um the benefit of that um sorry it's gone off topic a bit nathan you're no, asking did me they, about... <laughs> did, they, did they change so in terms of like social interaction and they had that choice over the groups they were working in did you see them like 
were they sticking with the same peer groups all the time or were they intentionally choosing certain members of the group or were they trying to make it random how did they respond to having that responsibility um generally they they stuck with their friends um but even reading back over their scrapbooks um at the beginning all of them were saying like i love working with my friends i only want to work with my friends um but kind of halfway through the year they're kind of saying things like i don't mind i didn't mind working with new people today because um i got to talk to somebody different um so i kind of i've switched them up slightly in that sometimes i let them choose two people for their group and put them into a larger group the year because they did tend to go to their friends um they weren't making that selection themselves um and i appreciate that we you know we all like working with our friends um especially when we're doing things like partner balances and pe and you have to hold hands or you know do things that are awkward for 10 and 11 year olds so um yeah they they did tend to work with their friends but they were more open to working with new people i think (laughs) by the end of the year yeah that's good to always promote that um the experiences that you're talking about are from primary school settings um and obviously social dynamics change as, as children go through schools and and i think it might look particularly different in a secondary school or perhaps slightly different challenges might come up in terms of like grouping um it's one of the teachers to get right in their groups um, and there's different varieties of doing it but i think if we can impact the way children think about grouping is is maybe an approach that that might work um can we go back to democratic practices and them having a like student voice or say how do you how do you plan for that say in a, in a lesson um how would you make that come alive in a, in a PE lesson um yeah so my main advice for that and advice that I should have taken myself was to start small um in in year one of of my data collection I was I was quite methodic methodical um in that I I kind of had steps that I went through um and then in year two I was so excited about um student voice and I just wanted to to get it done or to kind of reach the the pinnacle of student voice that I I think I dived in um too quickly with some of the the things I was trying to use with the with the children without realizing that they had very little experience of of student voice um so yeah start small um I started with things like just closed choices um so okay these are three warm-ups that we could do today um let's choose um so whether that be moving a magnet on a magnetic whiteboard where I had the three um warm-ups written up or if I didn't have a chance to do that that they moved to different areas of the PE hall to tell me which warm-up they wanted even just putting their hands up um, and down for for choice um like selecting things like the order which we complete tasks in a PE lesson or the specific type of equipment that they use for for example like a throwing and catching task um so I just started really 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 small um giving them just kind of like either or choices mm-hmm. um and when they got really comfortable with that and when I got comfortable with that because it wasn't just about them getting comfortable it was also about me kind of yeah. releasing that to the children <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um and that was hard like that that was really really hard um so 
when I saw the benefit of doing that um, and when the kids were getting really excited about having um, that responsibility of making those choices, then I was able to move towards um, the more open-ended choices. Um, so again, kind of relating to the Meaningful PE features within games or within skill development activities, at the beginning of the year, I might have had three levels of challenge. So you can choose this, you can do this, or you can do this. But when the kids got really comfortable with making those choices, then I didn't have to lay out really specifically what those challenge levels were. I can kind of say, this is the task. Um, you can modify it to make it more or less challenging. And obviously I'd prompt them if they needed uh, help in thinking about how could we take this down a step? How could we make this a little bit more difficult? But they were really, really good at changing tasks. Um, and it became a natural thing for them to do that if we're doing some sort of skill development that they didn't need my prompting, that they would change that development or they change the skill um, activity in some way to, to benefit them or that was at their level, I suppose. Um, so yeah, that was really, really great to see. Um, and kind of like and seeing like the baseline activity that you created get merged into something uh, much bigger or yeah. like say that's, for example. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. Yeah. Get children to start self-challenging and, and using that that not too hot, just right, and, and get them to, you know, play around with what what does this feel like? Am I am I really pushing myself here or is this too hard or how am I confident in attempting this task? And if we can get children to start thinking like that in P lessons and that's um that's a real positive step forward. So the, I think some of the tensions maybe with like democratic approaches is like, you know, when when you had the three options of the warm up on the board, if seventy five percent of the class chose one warm up, did you do that one warm up? Or or were yeah. the students allowed to choose which warm-up they did from the free and they did it in their own time or yeah I like your I like your second option better but no it was mm. it was for me it was generally the first option that we might have done the top two um but the next week then I would change those warm-ups around so that the option that didn't get chosen or you know that the option with the the lowest votes would also be an option for the next week's P lesson okay. maybe with yeah. with a couple of other games so um just so that we're not playing the same game all of the time. Um, and then sometimes uh, towards the end of a unit, um, when we've we've practiced lots of skills, we've, we've done lots of different games that the kids were introduced to, then I might leave it open to them to choose the warm-up um, or to come up with a different game, maybe to change one rule from a well-loved playground game that would help us to revise all of the um, skills that we'd learned. Um, so. I give them five minutes maybe in their small groups to kind of either modify a game that we they'd liked playing before um, or come up with a completely new game. Um, and sometimes that meant about 50 different rules um, that they come up with with police officers and jails and, I don't know, debt collectors and whatever else in this this <laughs> meant-to-be-five-minute game. Um, so I had to learn from that as well about the parameters that I give that I can't just give really open-ended I suppose um, that yeah. student voice doesn't have to be like just give them everything, give them all of the responsibility, and um, that I can put parameters 
parameters in place um, and it's, it doesn't make it less beneficial. Um, I think it maybe yeah. sometimes makes it a little bit more beneficial. Yeah, it does. And that, that is, again, or teachers or, you know, teachers on the early um, career framework in, in the UK that are, you know, maybe a little bit reluctant to let go of that control of groups and stuff. It's quite daunting, but actually mm. with time and expectations and those parameters that you talk about, it can actually be really beneficial. Like the the person who um, police officers and stuff and making it fun, yeah. engaging and, and linked. It's, it's really important, right? And there's no, there's no better way of allowing children to show their creativity and giving them that, that almost freedom or flexibility to plan for themselves. Um, yeah. And I think we need to be almost, you know, thinking that way in any physical education experience that we're planning for, no matter the age of the child. Um, I think there's definitely space for that in the secondary school as well. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's the plan after the PhD then? That's oh. a, a, an interesting <laughs> question for you to answer. Are you going back to primary school? Are you? Or... Yeah, I would. I would like to go back to teaching. Um, it's. I just really enjoy it. I'm. I'm currently on a, a career break. Um, from my primary school, so I got um Irish Research Council funding for this year, so it allowed me to to take the year and to just write up my research. Um. But I'm missing the. Uh, I don't know the energy I get from from the kids um, that they're just and, and all the research I'm reading at the moment when I'm sitting at my desk and, and writing up I'm like oh I want to I want to try that I want to I want to go back into the classroom I need to have you know I feel like I, I need more teaching experience before I can you know hopefully go into uh, teacher education or um, maybe go down the lines of curriculum development but I, I only have seven years under my belt, so so yeah, possibly possibly going back to teaching for for a little while. Amazing. So you said um you sat at your desk reading things that you really want to try. What what are they? And, you know, not to put you under pressure again, but what are the things that you'd like to? If you were back in the classroom tomorrow, what would you be trying with a group of children? Um, I think. I don't know if it's anything specific, but when I'm reading through my data and, and, and reading some brilliant blog posts and um, on Meaningful PE and, and seeing people's Twitter posts, I'm like, oh, I should have done that. That's like, there's a million things I did wrong. Um, I didn't, mm. even though I'm I'm going out there saying, oh, no, student voice, there's no, you know, there's no right way to do student voice technically because it's going to be different for every teacher in every context. But at the same time, I'm judging myself saying, oh, I didn't do that properly here. I needed to use like reflection more. I needed to use the scrapbooks more. I should have given them more free time to practice their own skills. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, I th I'm, I'm enjoying my year. I've only, I've only been doing it for a month so far, but I feel like my brain has more capacity to take on research this year. I think just yeah. the first two years are so busy and I, I couldn't. I was uh, I couldn't take in new information very well because my brain was so full with everything else. So with managing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if if you could kind of summarise what you've what you've talked about today and, and give the listener some takeaway messages or things to consider, what would they be? Um, I think I I touched on loads of different things, and I, I hope I came across in a clear way. But um, I think. <laughs> I think 
student voice um, is just a great strategy strategy to use um, in all areas of the curriculum, um, but specifically in PE in that I really observed um, an increase in engagement um, when I gave more opportunities um, for the children to to be involved in the lesson, to be um, choosing specific things that they want to try to be allowed to choose their own level of challenge. Um, so the engagement piece, I suppose, was the biggest win for me. Um, watching kids who had often sat to the side of PE or who, who got overwhelmed in PE being the center of a game or, or doing like altering a, a skill task to, to suit them. Um, and I suppose also like to start small with student voice. Um, it was, like I said, it was, it was difficult for me as a teacher to do it. Um, I had really beautiful lesson plans that were typed up and had great ideas in them. And to kind of have that ability to step away from them sometimes and let yeah. the students say like, well, actually this is really working for us at the moment. So can we continue on with this? Mm -hmm. um, and for me to be okay with not, with not having that, that lesson that, you know, the lesson in my head that I thought it was going to go that way. And, and sometimes it didn't go that way at all. Um, yeah. so to kind of have that, that openness, I suppose. Um, and yeah, so, so to start small with student voice that you can do small things. And once you feel comfortable with it, um, then go and try to do something else. And when you get comfortable with that, then maybe give them a little bit more say in the content or, or what's being done in the lesson. So, um, yeah, those are my main takeaways. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, I've really enjoyed having a chat with you this morning, Grace. It's been, uh, it's been really interesting to talk to you and listen to your, your thoughts and experiences. Um, I know a particular group of students at my university that will uh, learn a lot from this podcast that are, are doing their dissertations on meaningful PE this year. So it's going to be beneficial to them. And I hope the the listeners, um, welcome to our, our listeners. Obviously, we're just starting the podcast and Grace is our, our first guest. So a uh, round of applause for Grace. Thank you, Grace. <laughs> Thank um, you. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that the listeners have learned something and there's some key takeaway messages from what Grace has shared today. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us um, today, Grace. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Nathan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again to Grace for that really insightful episode. And uh, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to the first episode of PE Insights. The only way this podcast moves forward is to uh, get feedback from you. So please either give me a direct message or make contact on Twitter. And I hope you look forward to the next episode.